Happy New Year to all of you. Yeah, same to you. I said it first. It's great to have all of you tonight. Well, I tell you, we just had an extraordinary time in Missouri. Extraordinary. I don't really even know how to describe it to you. You'd have to be there to experience it. I was on my phone with my mother the other evening, and she was asking me all about it. I got into it for 10 minutes, and she was just weeping on the phone. It's just an unbelievable experience. You know, five years ago, I started Faith Walkers. There was 450 people. This year we had two Faith Walkers. There was 2,450 people. And it's just an amazing thing to see all these people come together uh, with a hunger and a passion for God and real desire to serve Him and a real desire to do what He wants Him to do. Carl wasn't exaggerating uh, when he talked about the spirit of the people there. It's just extraordinary. I've been receiving a number of emails from a number of individuals, particularly pastors, telling me of the revolutionized lives, a number of young people, 18, 19, 20 years old, who have not really been following the ways of God, who just did a 180 and turned their lives over to Jesus Christ. The number of churches who were impacted. I know we had two or three individuals from The Rock that came to know the Lord at the conference. One of our uh, young, young boys here from the church, he, he came up to me before Faith Walkers. A couple of weeks before, he said, Mark, I just want you to know I'm going to get baptized at Faith Walkers. He was so excited. And so one night, late at night, we all went over to the swimming pool and Austin got baptized. Then, then on the way home, he got sick and he threw it 14 times. 14. He was still so glad that he came. So glad. In fact, they know of hundreds of people that have gotten sick. My son's home sick. My other son's at his home sick. Can't talk. Luke got really sick. Steel got massive flu and Kim the next couple days. I'd do it all again, no matter how sick we all got. It, I, I don't even know how. You, you can go to faithwalkersonline.net and you can get all the messages. They're all there, all the seminars, all the messages, so you can get them and you can hear it. What you won't be able to participate in is actually the worship. None of that's recorded. And it is phenomenal. It is, there's no other way to describe it. It's just so authentic. It's so genuine. It's just off the hook. Never seen or experienced anything like what we have at Faith Walkers. But it's just a taste and the privilege of being together. And um, so anyway, you know, as I was praying about tonight, this being our first service of the new year. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, what would you like me to share with these people? What, what do you have on your heart? What would you like to say to us? And I think the Lord responded to me. And I think he has something very significant that he wants to share with us tonight. I have some very interesting verses that I want to share with you this evening that I'm pretty positive you've never heard before, particularly in the version that I'm going to read them. So I'd like us to bow our heads, and then I'm going to give you our phrase for the year. I believe it's the phrase, the goal that God wants us to have for this year for our personal lives. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your incredible goodness. We want to thank you, Lord, tonight for the incredible privilege of being together with your people, of being part of Great Commission churches, of being part of little groups of Christians like this all over the country that are really striving to live God-honoring, radical, revolutionary lives for Jesus Christ. 
that are not content with just the status quo, that are not content with just attending a church, but want to live the church, that want to live the teachings of Jesus Christ, that want to accomplish the mission that you gave us in our lifetime. Heavenly Father, we just ask you tonight that you would speak to us. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you would lay our hearts bare before you. And we ask you tonight, Lord, that we'd see freshly what it is that you want from our lives as we head into this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that's very common for a lot of people whenever the new year starts, and um, yeah, so I might as well say it, is just a resolution. People tend to make resolutions. And I found something interesting the other day, a statistic. You would think that people who would be best at keeping the resolutions are 55 and older. They're not. They're really poor at it. Did you know the people who keep the resolutions the most are between 18 and 24? Well, that's kind of this room, at least a lot of this room. And I believe that there's one thing this year, one thing. I want to give you one thing that I believe the Lord wants us to focus on. And that's this. Get serious. I believe the year 2008, what God wants to focus on at the rock is get serious. Let me read you five or six verses here that I found today as I was pondering this phrase. 1 Samuel 7, 3. Then Samuel addressed the house of Israel. If you are truly serious about coming back to God, clean house. Get rid of the foreign gods and fertility goddesses. Ground yourself firmly in God. Worship him and him alone, and he will save you from Philistine oppression. 1 Chronicles 16.30 God is serious business. Take him seriously. He's put the earth in place, and it's not moving. So let heaven rejoice, let the earth be jubilant, and pass the word among the nations. God reigns. Proverbs 16.20 It pays to take things seriously. Things work out when you trust in God. Jeremiah 29, 13. When you are looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. God's decree. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off to exile. You can count on it. James 4, 7. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a firm yes to God and he will be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way to get on your feet. And I just couldn't stop this little phrase over and over in my mind. I just woke up this morning and I'm just praying, I'm Lord, what do you want me to communicate tonight? What is it that you want the rockers to really grasp and understand as we head in this year? And the Lord just kind of said back to me, get serious, Mark. Tell them to get serious. That 130 people that went to faith walkers, tell them to get serious. The other 130 or however many are here tonight that didn't go, tell them to get serious. This is a year to get serious. This is a year to quit playing games with God, quit playing games with your life, and get serious. And there were particularly five things, five 
areas, if I could call them that, that I really believe the Lord impressed on me. They're tangible for you and I to get serious about. It's really easy to say, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to get serious. But there's always something that reflects what that means. For example, in Ezekiel, when he said, get serious about God and clean the house of your idols. Clean house, get rid of the foreign gods, ground yourself firmly in God. Well, there was something very tangible that could have been done. Some of you may not know the story of Gideon. Gideon was a young man. He was probably 17 years old. He was Jewish. And his father and all the other Israelites, they were worshiping the idol of Baal and the Asherah pole. Now, the Asherah pole, to be blunt, was a giant totem pole of genitals. And Israel was wicked. And the ancient world was wicked. And Baal was wicked. In fact, in Baal worship, you would sacrifice your children to the god. And there was another god they worshipped, the god of Moloch. And these were vile, filthy religious practices. And God detested them. And his people were worshipping. And they were worshipping at these idols. And God says it's time to clean house. If you're serious about coming back, get rid of the foreign gods. So God comes to Gideon. And and all the Israelites are being greatly oppressed by the Philistines. By the other enemies of God. God comes to Gideon. He says, Gideon's down in a wine press. He's hidden from everybody to see. And he's the youngest in his family. God comes to Gideon and he says, oh, mighty warrior. Gideon kind of looks around. Are you talking to me? God says, I'm talking to you. I'm going to use you to free the Israelites from all that's going on. The first thing I want you to do, Gideon, is I want you to go outside and tear down your father's idol, which was also the town's idol. This is a big deal. See, I want to tell you something with God. When you get serious with God, you can't just go home and pretend everything's the same. There are things you're going to need to do. If you don't do them, you aren't serious with God. Now, in this situation with Gideon, well, God didn't say he had to do it in the daylight, so he did it at night. And he went out at night, and he tore the idol down. And everyone came up, and they wanted to find out who killed him, or who tore the idol down, and the finger got pointed at Gideon, and they were going to kill him. God spared him. And then God continued to do things through Gideon's life, and eventually Gideon led the children of Israel, and he led them back to God. I believe there are things that the Lord wants to change in your life. And I'm going to go through those tonight. The first is, get serious about seeking the Lord and growing spiritually and changing what He wants you to change. There's a lot of us here tonight, you know, we've been coming for quite a while. You've known the Lord for quite a while, but you aren't seeking the Lord. You aren't seeking Him. You haven't been praying. You haven't been opening your Bible. You haven't been seeking God's ways, God's wisdom. And yet, you know, honestly, if we're really honest, let's talk about idols. Today in America, we don't have the idols like they had in Israel's time. But an idol is anything that draws away your attention or your affections from God. 
That, that, that is first before God. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand, but I just want you to ask yourself the question, how many of you, if you're really honest, would say, you know what, I watch more TV or play more video games or surf the web far more than I pray? If there were to be a show of hands, the chances are very good that the vast majority of people in this room spend more time every day of their life in front of a television or surfing the web or playing games than they do seeking God. Now, I want to make it really clear. I'm not saying that a person can't watch a TV show or surf for something or play a game. I'm saying, by comparison, we are way upside down. We are way upside down. What are you going to do this year to get serious about increasing your prayer life? What are you going to do this year to get serious about seeking God? See, the beautiful thing is we're only four days into the year. Today's the fourth. So you got the whole year in front of you, and God's a God of fresh beginnings. He's a God of new beginnings. And you can start tomorrow with, you know what, Lord? <clears throat> you know what? I'm going to start with 15 minutes. I am going to make it my goal, and I am going to time myself. This is the way you stick to the goal. I'm just going to time myself. I'm just not going to leave the room until 15 minutes is up. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to develop that to 30 minutes. And I'm going to develop that to 40 minutes. And I'll tell you what, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. I want to know you. I want my life grounded in you. And then you know what, Lord, I'm going to take 15, 20 minutes each day. And I'm going to read my Bible. And I'm going to put a little journal there, whether it's a notebook or a leather one or a cheap one, whatever kind it is. And I'm going to write down what you showed me that day, one verse. How serious are you really about changing and growing? You see, you can't grow spiritually and you can't change if you don't seek God and you don't feed on the Word of God. You never change. You'll never grow. If you never change, you never grow, then you can't fully ever obey the Lord because you've got to grow, you've got to change in order to do that which God wants you to do. You've got to develop stronger. You've got to become spiritually mature. You can't stay babies, the Bible says in Peter. As newborn babies, eagerly desire the pure milk of the word that you might grow with respect to your salvation. You want to see something, uh, a picture of hunger for the word? Read Psalm 119. How often do you meditate on the word? When was the last time you've memorized a passage in the Bible? Bible tells us to do those kinds of things, to be familiar with the word of God, to feed on it, to long for it, to hunger for it, to fan into flame the gift that's in us. You want to see your spiritual life come alive, then get serious. Get serious about what God wants to do in your life this year. This year. Not next year, not five years from now, but now. Start tomorrow. And God can do something revolutionary in your life. <clears throat> what is it the Lord wants to change in your life? Think, what, Lord, what are some things that need to change in my life? We'll get to that in a little bit. But I want you to think about, Lord, I want to grow spiritually. I want to be more Christ-like in my life. I want to be the person that you want me to be. I want to change. And then cooperate with God. None of that will happen. If you don't get serious. 
You know, the word serious means a concern for what really matters. It stresses a seriousness of purpose and an absent absence of frivolity. American Christianity is full of frivolity. It's full of people who sit in a seat every single week and then go home and they play games with God. They play games with their life. They know more about how to set up their plasma television. They know more how to surf the net than how to get through the word of God and feed on it and do it. And what God wants you and I to say is, you know what? I can't control what the rest of them do, but God, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get serious. I'm going to get serious. And then start living it out. Number two. Number two. Very practical. Get serious about getting involved in house church, small group, and involvement in attending this Friday night service. You know what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2? Let me tell you something really revolutionary. Peter gets up. Jesus has died. He's raised from the dead. Peter is waiting in the upper room with the other apostles and the other disciples, the men and the women, about 120 of them. And they've been praying for days and days and days. And Jesus told them to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. See, they did not have the Holy Spirit when Jesus was on the planet. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will leave, but I will come to you. I will send the comforter. I will send the comforter. The counselor. This is not the second baptism or the, the second blessing. This is the first one and the only one. They hadn't received it yet. Christ left. They're waiting in the upper room. And all of a sudden, bam, the Holy Spirit comes down and indwells them and fills them. God promised to the Jews they were all Jews in the upper room. No, no Gentiles. We're Gentiles. Gentiles, any non-birth Jew, a non-ethnic Jew. They were waiting up the upper, upper room and the prophet Joel promised, promised that he would come in signs and wonders because the Jews look for a sign, the Greeks look for wisdom, the Gentiles look for wisdom. And so God inaugurated the birth of the church with this supernatural event and tongues of fire come down and, and all of a sudden these men and women, now listen, this is very important, they were not speaking gibberish. They were speaking known languages they had never learned. It'd be like me tonight speaking Russian. I've never learned Russian. Or Chinese. I've never learned Chinese. At the exact moment that the Holy Spirit came down, that God came down as He promised. If you know Christ tonight, He's already come down on you. He's in you. At the exact moment was Pentecost. When all the Jews, all the converts to Jews all over the world, the known world at that time, were gathered for the Passover. And now Peter walks out and they hear this noise, they hear this rumbling, and they see Peter and they think, wow, you know, the guy's been drinking. He says, no, I haven't been drinking. This is the promise that God promised. Your old men will dream dreams, see visions, and I'll pour out my spirit upon you. That's what he says. Prophet Joel was the fulfillment. It was the fulfillment then. We no longer see that now. We see the, the promised Holy Spirit given to every Christian. But at that moment, there was something supernatural connected. And all of a sudden, out in the audience of probably 100,000 people that have gathered from all over for this sacred event, there are Parthians, Midians, Ethiopians, people from all over the world with all different languages, all converted to Judaism. 
And all of a sudden, Peter begins to preach to them, and they each hear Peter in their own language. That was the miracle. And he tells them that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He tells them, you crucified him, and you need to repent and turn to him. For there is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. First message, this is Peter, the guy who ran on on Jesus, the guy who cowered, the guy who was afraid, the guy who cursed and said, I never knew him. Now he's preaching boldly, putting his life on the line. And 3,000 people come to know Christ. 3,000. You know what the Bible says they did? This is a picture of New Christianity. It says, and in Acts 2.42, and those who were saved continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, communion, to prayer. And they gathered together daily, and they met together in each other's homes for meals and encouragement. And there was great joy among them. They got real serious, real fast. And you know what? They didn't even know each other. This is people of different backgrounds, different races. Some of them may have known each other, but they didn't all. And they just began opening. Those who did live in Jerusalem began opening their homes. And they took in these new believers. And the community, the church was formed. And they were radically committed to one another. They were devoted to hearing the word of God taught. They were devoting to meeting in homes, sharing meals together, having communion, remembering the Lord's sacrifice, and being taught the word of God. How devoted are you? How serious are you about the people in your house church? You know, one of the things that some of you probably saw, you were faith walkers. There was a number of us gray hairs there. Now, I try to cut mine off. I don't color it, but I cut it off. But, but a lot of my friends there, they don't. And do you realize that we have been together, some of us, for 33, 30, 40 years, devoted to one another, devoted to one another? And you can sense it when you're in the room. That's the power. That's, that's the different power of that conference. There's a lot of conferences all over the world with even better music, even better speakers. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a group of people that was founded on men and women who are so radically revolutionized, committed to one another, that haven't been hopping from place to place to place. We stuck together because of this passage. Because of this passage. And we've been meeting together in homes for 33 years. We've been breaking bread. We've been praying. We've been seeking God. We've been active sharing our faith. It's time for you. This year, get serious. Get involved. If you're not involved in house church, get involved in one. If you are involved, stay involved. Be there. Be the kind of person to be counted on. You know, for me, this is the truth. They talk about Brett Favre, you know, his toughness, how few games he's missed. Now, I want to tell you, I'm tougher. I'm tougher. Football, football, let me just say this. I couldn't play football. I don't have the body for football. But the spiritual life is a lot tougher game than football. I got an enemy. You have an enemy. He's been trying to pummel me and kill me for 32 years. Wipe, take the heart right out of me. Through hell and high water, I have rarely, rarely missed a meeting in 33 years. I have rarely. I have put God's people before my family, before my health. 
Because it's that important to me. I'm that serious about it. I'm that radically committed to the body of Christ because I need the body. It's almost like putting it this way. You have a body right here. You, you can touch your own body. How committed are you to your own body? How serious are you? You're serious about feeding it. You're serious about fixing it. You're serious about shaving it. You're serious about grooming it. You're serious about resting it. You're serious about entertaining it. Because it's your body. Well, you and all those people you saw in Missouri and people that are not here tonight, you don't see, they're my body. And I am seriously committed to them. I am seriously committed to them. Whether they love me back in return or not, they're my family, they're my body, and I need them. Get serious. I've been showing up here week after week, week after week for nine years. The Evergreen Churches, I've been showing up three, three services a weekend for 14 years before I started putting all my focus here. Are you serious? Your love for Christ, the head of the church, is demonstrated by your commitment to his body, the church. Your love for Christ, who is the head of the church, that none of us can see, it's real easy, isn't it, to say, oh, I love God. Oh, I love God. I can't stand the person next to me, but oh, I love God. Except the person next to you is part of God. The person next to you is the bride of Christ. The measure of your commitment to Christ is directly proportional to your commitment. Now listen very carefully to this. Not to the universal body of Christ. I can stand back all day long and say, Oh, I just love the greater body. Lord, I just love them all. I don't have to be around any of them. You know, because I just like I just like going to each one in the city and getting the best from each one. That's so much crap. You know, that's like saying, Lord, I just love marriage. Sleeping with all these different married women is so awesome. Yeah. No, listen to me. That's real easy to do. It's real difficult to be stuck with the same one for 50 years. That'll test you. That will find out how much you're willing to die to self and grow. But it's real easy to go, oh, well, you know, they have some neat stuff over here. And, oh, I like going over here. They do this. And then I like being over here. You're committed to nobody. You're in it for you. You're a consumer. You consume and you consume and you're a parasite. The real test is you get involved. You get involved to make a difference. You get involved. Get involved. It doesn't have to be here. Let me tell you, maybe, the, maybe God didn't have the rock for you. Then go somewhere and get involved. My mother, I, I just, my mother is such a blessing to me. For 45 years, my mother has given herself to the same little Baptist church in Webster City, Iowa. And my mother can be counted on. She has taught Sunday school. She has taught vacation Bible school. In fact, she's come up to visit me before. She said, oh, Mark, I can't stay any longer. I've got to get back because I've got my responsibility there Sunday morning. 
And they've gone through one pastor after another. I have seen my mother live out that commitment. God is going to reward her. Christianity in America today has become all about self. Me, me, what's in it for me? And it's no wonder we are so weak and anemic and powerless and having such little impact on the world. God wants us to live by a different standard. God wants us to be different. And you know what? I believe this so much, I don't even care if the Lord whittles down to 100 people. I don't even care. I could care less if this auditorium is ever filled with a crowd. What I'm interested in is revolutionary disciples. And if we end up with 60 of them, then so be it. This isn't a game. Get serious. God wants to do something with your life, through your life. And he's going to do it as you join with the company of others. Some of you may uh, have read the story or heard of Billy Graham. Such a tremendous man of God. And he's got a book in which he shares some of the secrets that God's given him. And one of them is he talks all about his team. Cliff Barrows, George Beverly Shea. And he talks about the family. He says, we have been together, together, us men. For 55, almost 60 years, not been a change in the team. We've worked together. We've laid, you know, of course they've rubbed each other the wrong way. Of course sometimes they didn't get along. But it's that, it's that sticking together where God molds you together in many ways. Very similar to a marriage, you become more and more one. And the more that you're one, as Jesus prayed in John 17, the more that there's unity because you're dying to self, the more that God is able to bless and work through your life and work in your life. Let me encourage you to do something, all right? Um, I haven't said this in a long time. I really haven't. So I'm going to say it tonight. I realize that there are some of you here tonight that, you know, you're visiting the rock. You're always welcome to visit the rock. You're always welcome to visit the rock. But there's some of you that have been coming here for a long time, and you go to the rock on Friday, and you go to another church on Sunday. I want to encourage you to stop it. Make 2008 the year you quit double dipping. Either go to theirs or go to this one. This is a real church. This isn't a nice little ministry. This is a real church. We meet deliberately on Friday night. So that you would have more time in your life for the things that you need to do. We meet on Friday night because we're trying to aim young. We're trying to reach young people. And they are more apt to come on a Friday night than on a Sunday morning. We don't meet on Friday night so you can go, oh, cool. I'll go Friday, but I want to go over there Sunday morning. That isn't why we do it. See, we got a full schedule. We got a lot of stuff. We got four mission teams, four mission trips that are being planned this spring. We got house churches to meet every other week. We got small groups. There's church for you to get involved in. But don't play a game. Please don't play a game. You're not doing me a favor. You're not doing you a favor. You're not doing the other church a favor. Go to one or the other. And if it isn't here, I don't hate you. I don't dislike you, but as God is my witness, the best thing you can do is go make one of them your home. You can't serve two masters. Now you say, Mark, you're misquoting the verse. Of course I am, but the principle is there. You can't really serve two leaders. I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? This is about 10 years ago. 
I was riding back on a plane from Latin America. I'd been on a mission trip. There was a young man on the plane who uh, had been recently coming to one of the churches that I pastored. He's a dear young man, very devout. Really loved the Lord. He was very sincere. He was sitting about three rows back. So in the middle of the flight, I was having a conversation with another leader that I work with. And he came up and scooted up. He said, excuse me, but since I got you both here, we were trapped. That's true. I really didn't want to have this conversation. He said, I want to ask you a question. So he started asking all these questions about the church and all the stuff he'd want to change. And why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And, and then he said, he said to me, Mark, <clears throat> have you ever heard of a Shepherd of the Hills? I said, no, no, I haven't. He goes, you, don't, you do listen to Christian radio? I said, no, I don't. He said, wow. Well, this guy's phenomenal. I mean, I have like 600 of his tapes. I said, really? really? You really do? He goes, oh, yeah, I listen to him every day. I said, okay. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, well, sure. I said, how many of my tapes do you have? He said, I don't know, I got about five. I said, that's okay. But I said, I want, I, want you, I want to explain to you the problem, the problem with you and the problem in America. See, you're coming to my church, but I'm not your shepherd. You sit in my pew, you take up my time, but you're not letting me be your shepherd. The guy you bought 600 tapes, he's your shepherd. So guess what? Next time you have a problem, call him up. Next time your mama dies, call him up. You want some advice, call him up. Because he's the one you really let and lead you. You're going to have to decide, do you want the guy on the radio to lead you, or do you want me to lead you? You may think that's way bold. I believe it. It's the truth. It's the truth. You see, God's given you local leaders in your local church to shepherd you and guide you and lead you. And Hebrews 13 says, obey your leaders, for they keep watch over your soul. Guess what? Chuck Swindle on the radio isn't keeping watch over your soul. I'm not saying he's a bad man. He's a dear man. He loves the Lord. But you better make sure that you realize that God's plan was you were in a local church where people could know you, where you could be shepherded and guided and led and encouraged and instructed and corrected and inspired, whatever the case might be. So you've got to decide who are you letting lead you. you say, oh, God leads me. That's very nice. God has always led through men. Moses, David, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Paul, Peter. Need I go on? I could stand here a long time and quote a lot of names. God wants to lead with his word through these individuals. Get serious about your Christian life. Third, get serious about serving. Don't be a spectator. Get involved. Man, we need servants. Do we really believe? Listen, you know, you know why you can tell we don't believe the scripture? The Bible says the servant of all will be the greatest of all. If you really believe that, we'd really have every need in this church met. See, we got some people here that are they're extraordinary servants. One of them is Ryan Stahl. Ryan and his wife, Laura, they have four little children. Four little children, all under four and a half. They are here every week setting up for nine years. Now, they didn't have them nine years. They weren't even married. 
But since they, they, they're here every year setting up the Sunday school, sometimes he does announcements. Sometimes he helps with others and greeters. He helps me with all the church finances. He's on our board of trustees. His wife, you go downstairs, and you know what you'll see on her face? She's pregnant with three. A smile. You know why? Because she's not thinking, I'm down here in this junky gymnasium where there's dirt on the floor or there's dust. I am serving the King of Kings. I'm serving the audience of one. When I serve the body of Christ, I am serving Christ. And they revel in that joy. This guy over here, Doug. Doug and his wife, Alexis, electric dark player. He just had a baby like three days before. But leading up to that, he's just serving, trying to help me get ready for faith walkers, trying to help Ian get ready for faith walkers. And they're just working. And I could go down the line of men and women here who are just serving, serving, serving. But listen, if they're only one person, they can only be so many places at once. We need more. We need individuals who can be counted on. You know my goal? My goal is to be like the sun. I mean the sun. The sun that you saw rise today. Whether it's for my wife or my children or my people or my comrades in arms, you can count on Mark Darling. If I say I'm going to be there, I will be there. I'll be there early. You ask anybody who knows me, I am early for everything. Waiting to get it on. My trip home, my trip home, my... When, they, when Rick was sharing down at Faith Walker's Zone, you know, we need, to, we need to crush our pride. And one of the ways to crush our pride is to serve. Our whole world's about being served. God exalts the servant. So my whole week down there was one form of service or another. Then the afternoon before the evening, the last evening session, I spent the whole afternoon helping my wife and daughter get all the bags packed in the van. It was about 15. Then I, then I worked some more on my message. Then I went down to greet people at dinner. Then I taught. Then I went home to bed. I got to bed in the motel at 10.30. I got up at 3 a.m., finished loading the rest of the van, drove 10 and a half hours for Kathy and Jesse to get them home as soon as I could through the snowstorm, pulled in the garage. I said, oh, Dad, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I know it's New Year's Eve, but I need a whole bunch of medicines because I'm all out. I unload the 15 bags. I get back in the van. I go to four or five different Walmarts to find the needed medicines. I get home. I empty the 15 bags. I do the laundry. About 11 o'clock that night, I went to bed. The next morning, got up at 5 a.m., started the same kind of thing over. Serving is where greatness is. Serving is where greatness is. And the question is, how serious are you about it? Or are you just waiting around to be served? Do you want to be like Christ? Man, you want to be like, I want to be like Jesus more than anything in my life. More than anything in my life, I want to be more like him. Will you give yourself to service? Please get involved. Think of eternity. Think of the lives that have been influenced. There have been so many people that have come through these doors whose lives have been touched. They've come to Christ. Their life has been turned upside down because someone came, set up the lights, helped set up the PA. We got Marlon Sluter. Marlon has been coming to set up this PA and help tear it down for nine years. Sometimes he's been the only guy. We need people. God needs people. <clears throat> Fourth thing I'd like to share with you. I'm not going to talk about this one very long. Because I would never want you to get the wrong impression. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I don't speak about it very often. 
Remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each make up in your own mind how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. There will always be everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. There's approximately 62 people here. 62. They aren't all here tonight. Out of the almost 300 people that come, that pay for everything that goes on at the rock. Almost $50,000 a year comes just from my house church leaders. From those nine men. There's another about uh, 51 people that give, you put all those people together, they give almost the whole budget. And I praise God for those individuals. Those of you that didn't know anything about us or even coming to the rock, know that by the guys, God is my witness. And you could ask Ryan because he's on the board of trustees and he knows all the accounts and you can get the budget. We run this thing as absolutely frugally as we can. But there are a number of people who've been coming here for a long time that aren't giving anything. How serious are you? about eternal things. How serious are you about the work of God? We have some people here that give $600 a month. Some that give $700 a month. Maybe you could start at 100 Maybe some of you go, well, Mark, I'm a student. Okay, you start at 25. Just participate. Please get involved because the more you sow, the more you reap, the more eternal reward, reward that you're going to receive. This life is just going by just like that. And we need you involved. God needs you involved in the game. You know, I've shared this silly little analogy with you, but, but I want to share it with you because it's really true. It's not an exaggeration. Right now, you've probably seen on the news all this Iowa caucus stuff. Boy, will I be glad when this craziness is all over. I don't know about you, but I will be. And I think about the billions. It's going to be billions of dollars that's going to be spent to get somebody elected. Billions. You know where almost all that money came from? You know where almost all of Obama's money came from or Hillary's money came from or Mike Huckabee's money came from or John McCain? Do you know where? From people like you who believe in them. And their faith was demonstrated when they said, you know what? I believe in you so much. I know the only way you're going to get elected is if I put money in your campaign coffers so that you have money to spend to get your message out. The only way, now listen to me and listen to me good, because this is God's gospel truth. If we say we believe Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and he's the only way to heaven, and we know that's the truth, there's only one way we're going to get him elected to the hearts of human beings, and that's if people dig in their pockets and give some finances to help us continue to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen otherwise. Ain't not like going to rain money down from heaven. Or we go out and shake an invisible tree, and it's like, oh, money's falling. And God says, yeah. Now, now do ministry with that money. See? There's not one of us here who would think of going, I mean, well, there's probably one of us. Maybe two, maybe four. 
who would think of going to the dentist, and after we get all this beautiful work done on our teeth, we go, well, you know, I think I'll give you a buck. It's really nice of you to help me today. It, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Or, you know, you take your shopping cart or maybe your Macy's. Well, I don't know what your favorite store is. And you're getting all this stuff and you walk up to the counter and you say, thanks for all the stuff. Well, what do you mean, thanks for all the stuff? You, we got to price you out. Oh, no, I'm just going to take it. Now, let me ask you a really sobering question. What's more important, spiritual truth in the shepherding of your life or a pair of jeans? We wouldn't think, we wouldn't, wouldn't even, we wouldn't even think for a moment of going to the gas station and filling up our gas tank with fuel that gets us from point A to point B without paying for it. But all across America, we're not alone. There are literally billions, millions, not billions, millions of people showing up at church, paying for nothing. They just take it all for free. And there's nothing more important in our life than our spiritual life. And by the way, the money that's given, it doesn't go to me. I mean, it, it, my salary, it's set, it's set by a board of trustees. I have no access to the money. We're trying to get more and more so we can plant more churches, so we can lead more people to Christ, so we can help more people grow. Period. Let me encourage you. Get serious this year. In whatever way God leads you. Maybe you're only able to do $10. Maybe you're able to do $25 a week. Maybe for some of you it's 100 a month. Whatever. Please prayerfully get serious about it. And lastly, lastly, get serious about sharing your faith. You want to see your life change? The Bible says in Philemon, in the NIV Bible, I pray that you might be active in sharing your faith so you might have a good understanding of all that we have in Jesus Christ. Get active in sharing your faith. Take opportunities to share it. I was so blessed talking to Ryan before the service tonight. His grandmother died, and he said, You know, Mark, I had such a cool opportunity while I was up at the funeral to talk to some relatives, and I just shared Christ. I just shared Christ. Of course, you know, you may have people laugh at you. People may talk about you behind their back. Man, I'd rather have people talk about me behind my back because I stood up for Jesus then never say anything bad about me. You know what Jesus said? He said, woe to you. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For that's how they spoke about the false prophets. But blessed are you. Blessed are you when men revile you and say all manner of evil against you and make up things about you because you love me. Leap and jump for joy. For great is your reward in heaven. I'm not saying, you know, go out and deliberately be an idiot. <laughs> but I am saying that oftentimes in order to share your faith, you're going to have to run the risk of being offensive. Oftentimes it won't be offensive, but there will be times to that person, you will be the stench of death. The Bible tells us that. Get active in sharing with others what God has done for you. It will change your life and it will also begin changing the lives of other people. These are the five things that I believe for this church this year, God wants us to get serious about. And I'd like to ask you to bow your head. And I'd like to ask you, first of all, would you begin praying about these things tomorrow? Would you go think about them? I realize that we don't take notes here at The Rock. 
So I want you to remember, review these. I want you to get serious about seeking the Lord, growing spiritually, and changing what God wants you to change in your life. I know that there may be patterns here. Some of us in the room may be playing around with sin. We may be playing around with immorality. We may be in an immoral relationship. When I say immoral, I mean in a relationship with the person we're not married to and we're being sexual. Then have to be intercourse. Any way in which you are being sexual with the person you are not married to is immoral. It's promiscuous. God wants us to change those behaviors. Whether it's our alcoholism or our drug addiction, God wants us by His grace and power to change those habits. And they can be changed, but only when all of us, whatever it is in our life, we get serious about it. Maybe God, when you're addicted to spending, you just spend, 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 dead, dead, dead. God wants it to change. So we begin this year changing it. Get serious about house church, small group, and involvement in the rock and the Friday service. Be like that New Testament Christian that was continually devoted to their leader's teaching. To their brothers and sisters in Christ. To meeting together. Get serious about serving. Get involved. There's so many opportunities. Ask Ryan or ask Carl back at the information table. There are so many opportunities. We need your help. God needs your hands, your feet. Get serious about giving. Whatever God He put in your heart, get serious about it. And lastly, get serious about sharing your faith. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight that you are serious about us. Lord, it's, you know, you never ask us to walk. You never ask us to be. You never ask us to do that which you have not exemplified. You didn't just say, you know, stay up there in heaven and shout down, hey, everybody, I just, I love you. I love all of you so much. I don't want to be down there in your world. It's too messy down there, but I love you. Lord, you exemplified service. You were the suffering servant. You suffered long and you were kind. You served everywhere you went. Often you served so much you couldn't even take a meal. You missed your meals sometimes because you were busy serving. You were ridiculed. You were spit on. People made fun of you. Your own brothers made fun of you. You kept serving. You came down here and you laid your life down for us. We have life today. We have an incredible future. We have God. We have your spirit. We have your comfort. We have peace and joy. Life everlasting. All because you're serious about us. And I want to ask you, Lord, my heart's cry for this church this year is that we would be serious about you in return and demonstrate it in our commitment to the church. Please guide and direct each individual, Lord. Work your will in their life. Work your will in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Any of you that could stay afterwards, I know some of you are able to help. We'd love to have your help tearing down. That would be fantastic. We have refreshments out in the hall. God bless you.